Well, do open your Bibles with me this evening, please, to the book of Nehemiah and chapter 4, the fourth chapter in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to read together the whole of the chapter. The book of Nehemiah takes place in the days after the children of Israel have been released from captivity in Babylon and returned to Jerusalem and Judah. And uh, Nehemiah has come to undertake the rebuilding of the city walls, a project that receives great hostility from those around the city. And in chapter 4, we read of some of that opposition and some of the pressure that is brought to bear upon the people as they build. Chapter 4 and verse 1. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the labourers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall." And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times from whatever place you turn they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall, at the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. 
And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had brought their plots to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, every one to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armour. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive. We are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we laboured in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Amen. We'll do this evening turn with me back to the passage that we read in the book of Nehemiah and chapter 4. And this evening I'd like us to focus our thoughts particularly on the first half of verse 10 where we read, Then Judah said, The strength of the labourers is failing. Then Judah said, The strength of the labourers is failing. I trust most of us here this evening are familiar with the historical setting of the book of Nehemiah, of the return of the Old Testament people of God from captivity, Back to Jerusalem and Judah. And if you're perhaps not familiar with this book or you haven't read it for some time, I would encourage you to read it. It's a book of great encouragement in the face of difficult and trying circumstances. But before we look in detail at the text itself, we need, I think, to understand what it was that brought these people to make this statement and to cry out as they did. They were suffering what we would call today in modern English a triple whammy. First, the opposition 
that they were encountering to the work that they had been called to do was increasing. We see that in verses 7 and 8 of our reading. It happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed that they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. This work that they were undertaking brought together all of their enemies. Secondly, as a result of increased opposition, the workload that had been placed upon the people had increased. We see that in verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them we set a watch against them day and night. Now as well as building the walls and working at its reconstruction, the people were required to keep a watch day and night. And then thirdly, the work itself was getting harder. Look at the second half of verse 10. There is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Here we have a people who are suffering increased opposition to their work. A people that are bearing an increased burden. And a people whose work is requiring them to do and to make an increased effort to progress. And the culmination of these pressures is found in our text. Where there is this honest confession and cry that the strength of the labourers is failing. So with this in mind, let's take a closer look at the text and consider something of it. And the first thing we notice is that these are a chosen people. It is Judah who says the strength of the labourers is failing. The AV, the authorised version, translates that word labourers as bearers of burdens. These are the people that are feeling the impact of the increased opposition and the increased work and the increased effort. And in a very real sense, this evening each of us here as we gather together is a labourer. You are all working towards something. In John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ encourages us not to labour for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life. Now maybe there are some here this evening whose labour is directed purely towards food, which is perishing. Maybe there are some here this evening who are labouring for only what the world can give. Maybe that is you this evening. 
And maybe as you labour and seek to grasp for yourself as much as you can of the world and what it gives, you feel as though you are failing. Of course, this text is not speaking of labour for such things. There is nothing in this passage that will bring hope to you this evening if you are a labourer for the things of this world. Maybe this evening you are labouring to cover yourself outwardly with a garment of your own making that seeks to satisfy your heart in regard to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with God. Maybe you're labouring to do your duty, labouring to sit through another service, labouring to sit through another Sunday, all in order to feed your pride and to subdue your conscience. you're labouring this evening for such things, then this passage has nothing for you. It has no encouragement for you and no comfort for you. In fact, the only thing I can say to you this evening, if your labours are such, are the words of Christ found in Matthew 23. Woe to you, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Do not be satisfied with labouring for such things. However, while it's true that all are labouring, the text before us speaks specifically of the people of Jerusalem and the people of Judah, those chosen people of God. The opposition they faced is different from the opposition that is faced by others. And the work they were doing is different from the work others do. This is a text that is speaking to the people of Christ. It's a text that is speaking to his church and to his body. It is a text that is speaking to those who are labouring in his service. It's a text that declares such individuals can indeed find themselves in such a position as the people here in Nehemiah found themselves. And it's a text that speaks to the whole church, every part of the body, every member of Christ's body is a labourer. All of the body can be affected. This is not a text for the publicly visible in their labours. If you're a member of the Church of Christ this evening, you are involved in labour. You are a bearer of burdens this evening, Christian. If you're part of the local body of Christ, then you are at labour in his service. You are at labour in prayer. You are at labour in fellowship. You are in la at labour in worship, whether that is corporate or private. You are at labour in support and care 
and in seeking to live a life that honours and glorifies Christ. This evening you are at labour or labouring to witness of him to others. Christian, this this evening you are a labourer and there are real and there are heavy burdens that sometimes come upon us. And as we mature and as we grow in our faith so often the opposition increases. And the result of that is that our workload intensifies and the effort required to keep going gets ever greater and ever harder. Maybe this surprises you this evening. That those who have known the love and mercy of God in Christ, who have found peace and rest for their souls in His sacrifice, who have that glorious guest of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them can find their strength failing and the work and the labour of the Christian life overwhelming. Well, it shouldn't surprise you, Christian, because you have an enemy in Satan whose hatred for you grows in direct proportion to the love that you have for your Saviour. And as your love grows and your fellowship with Christ grows, so Satan's hatred and desire to destroy you grows. You have a sinful nature which fights against your desire to give up those sins that once brought it pleasure. A sinful nature that the more you mature and the more you humble yourself, and the more you submit yourself to Christ and his word, the more it kicks against you, and the more it seeks to drag you away. There is indeed much rubbish in the hearts and the souls of the Christian. And the further you go on into the Christian life, and I'm sure if you speak to mature believers here, in the congregation and in the church, in this place, they will tell you, the more they see of the darkness and the rubbish that is built up in their hearts and that they continue to carry and they seek to remove. You know, Paul is not unique when he writes to the Philippians and he says there in chapter 3, But what things were gained to me, what things that I looked to and put my trust in and my hope in in the past, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. If you read the earlier part of that chapter 3, you'll find how much rubbish the Apostle Paul was carrying that had to be done away with. You will find similar rubbish in the lives and in the hearts of all believers. But you know... It's not just opposition and work that causes believers 
to cry out at times that their strength is failing. There's a far more glorious truth behind these things. Because behind each and every one of these things, behind the increased opposition and the increased workload and the increased effort, is the purpose and the will of Christ in the life of his people. As he brings them to the place where they realize that they need him day by day. That they must indeed, as we read at the beginning of this service, commit their ways to him and trust in him. There's a lovely old hymn, sadly it's not in grace, but it puts it so well. Jehovah has said, it is left on record. record. The righteous are one with Jesus, their Lord. At all times he loves them. It was for them he died. Yet oft times he proves them. For grace must be tried. When faint in the way, or lifeless, or cold, or sunk in dismay, with none to uphold, yet firm is his promise, your God shall abide. But grace in the furnace shall surely be tried. Here are a people facing great discouragement. Although it isn't spelt out for us in the text, There, behind it all, I believe, we see the hand of God moving to prove to them their faith in him. To prove to them the strength of his grace and the power of his arm in the weariness of the circumstances and the opposition that confronts them. Every believer must be brought to the place that the Apostle Paul was brought to. Knowing that the strength of Christ is made perfect in weakness. And that his grace is sufficient. And you know it is only as that grace is tried in the circumstances and the challenges of life. That the believer comes to know and rest. In the truth of that promise. Here we have a chosen people. A chosen people who are proving the grace and the power of their God in the circumstances that they have been brought into. They are a weakened and a fearful people. The effect of the increased opposition and the increased work and the increased effort is to sap their strength. It has a real and a personal impact on each of these labourers. We're not here in the realm of the theoretical. We're in here the realm of the practical. The reality of the everyday life of these people. The reality of the everyday life of the individual believer and of the local church. How that church at Philadelphia would have been able to sympathise with these Jews. 
How many faithful churches and believers today in the UK, up and down this land, would be able to sympathise with these Jews? Listen to the words of encouragement that Christ gives to that church in Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and not denied my name. A church that had little strength was a church whose works the Lord Jesus Christ knew and who commended them for keeping his word and not denying his name. And he set before them an open door. Now we should note as we look at this passage in Nehemiah that the strength of these individuals was not sapped and was not failing because they were engaged in the wrong sort of work. Chapter 2, just a page back, and verse 18 tells us, Nehemiah says to the people, I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to do this good work. This work was a work that was undertaken under the hand of God on Nehemiah. It was a work that the people were keen to carry on and enthusiastic to do. Neither was this a work which was undertaken without seeking the help of God. In verse 4 and 5 of our reading, we find the people praying concerning the opposition. Those prayers were uttered in faith, and yet the opposition increased. In verse 9, they again seek God in prayer. And the result is, not only has the opposition increased, but the workload has increased. We have here a people doing the right things. They had a desire to do the work that God had appointed for them. They sought God in prayer when difficulties came upon them. But it seems as though as they did those things, and as they sought to labour on, Everything conspired against them until they arrive at this place where they cry in desperation. The strength of the labourers is failing. They're in the same place, aren't they, that Peter and James and John were in Gethsemane. We read it this morning in Matthew 26. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. They're in the same place that Elijah came to after his great victory on Mount Carmel. It is enough. Now Lord take my life. For I am no better. Than my father's. Have you ever felt like that. In your Christian life. And your Christian experience. As though you have expended every ounce. Of your energy and your strength. In following Christ. 
As though you've fallen on your knees time and again and prayed about the problems and the difficulties. And yet the pathway grows ever harder. Until finally you cry out as these people cried out. My strength is failing. It's a cry of alarm. It's a cry of fear. It's a cry of desperation. It's a cry that says I can't carry on. I'll have to cease. The opposition will overwhelm me. The end is near. And yet, it is a cry made when some strength still remains. It's a cry that's made when the strength is failing, but has not failed. The end appears close, but it's not yet arrived. The opposition has gathered together, but has not yet dealt the final blow. And here, at this point, this cry goes out by this chosen and weakened and fearful people. And yet the wonder and the glory and the comfort and the hope for us this evening is that despite the fact that these people were weakened and fearful, and this cry is a cry of desperation, we find that these people are in fact a preserved people. Theirs is a cry that is not unheard and not unanswered. As this cry goes out, Nehemiah responds to it. By turning the people's attention to the God they worship. In verse 14. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome. And fight for your brethren. Your sons, your daughters. Your wives and your houses. Remember who is on our side he says. The one great and awesome God. The one who has brought us back from captivity in Babylon to Jerusalem. The one who declared 200 years earlier through his prophet Isaiah. I am the Lord who created you, O Jacob. And he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. Thought about that this morning, didn't we? You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overthrow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Isaiah 43, the first few verses. We find here in this passage, the God who made that promise 200 years earlier remains faithful to it, to these people. These labourers with failing strength were ready to use the last scraps of that strength to fight. But they were not called to do so. As we find time and again, God fights on behalf of his people. They didn't have the strength to stand up to the army of Samaria. But we're told 
that God brought their plot to nothing. Verse 15. God fighting on behalf of his people. We see it, don't we, ultimately and most gloriously in the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to defeat the powers that held his people in slavery, sin and Satan and self and death. So that we read in Romans chapter 5 that even when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Christian this evening, you had no strength to successfully fight against slavery, but Christ liberated you from it, the slavery of sin. You had no power against the temptations and the strength of Satan, but Christ has destroyed him and his power for you. You have no ability to resist death. But this evening, Christian, Christ has won and given you eternal life. He achieved all of that on a single battlefield. A battlefield outside of the city of Jerusalem called Calvary. It's not only in relation to salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ acts on behalf of his church and his body. That body of believers are those who are kept by the power of God through faith. Say to the, those who are fearful hearted, Isaiah writes, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. The cry of the labourers is heard. In our passage, we find the people's strength does not fail, despite their cry and their alarm and their fear. But rather it appears that extra and additional strength is given, that they might labour on in even greater effort. Verse 17, we find the work is increasing. Then those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. You know, these people, as much as they feared what might happen, they never came to that place where the straw broke the camel's back. They continued to work under an even greater burden. Without their strength failing. They witnessed the truth of what we sang earlier. Weak as you are, you shall not faint. Or fainting shall not die. Jesus, the strength of every saint, shall aid you from on high. As surely as he overcame and triumphed once for you. So surely you that love his name shall triumph in him too. They witnessed the reality of what Paul would witness 500 years later. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. They witnessed what the church has continued to testify throughout its entire history. From the moment 
Christ ascended and Peter and the other disciples stood up on that Pentecost and proclaimed the good news of the gospel of Christ. The church has been maintained even in those great weak times. Those times when the Reformation started and the great power of the church of Rome sought to strangle it and suffocate it and destroy it. How many martyrs went to the flames? How many Bibles were burned? And yet the strength of the labourers, although it, it, it seemed as if it was going to fail, stood firm. Today, we live in a day, don't we, where the church is increasingly under attack in the West. It seems as though liberal theology is coming like a tsunami across the entire church, where the spirit of Antichrist is found in society and in culture. And the church feels at times, and the individuals within it feels at times, as though our strength is failing, as though we can't go on. Yet this evening I want to encourage you, Christian labourer, that the same God who sustained and kept the people of Judah in their time of great need, as they cried out here in this verse, is your God. Take time to remember that his character doesn't change. Take time to remember that his power is the same. Take time to remember that his purpose and his will cannot be thwarted. The one who chose you in love. The one who went to the cross on your behalf and redeemed you. The one who through the operation of the Holy Spirit has called you into a relationship with him. It's the same God who strengthened these people. So that they could continue in their labours. Remind yourself this evening of the promises of your Lord and Saviour. Think of those words he said to Peter. I have prayed for you. That's a promise and an encouragement to each and every believer. What about this one? This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me I should lose nothing. Or this one. None shall pluck you out of my hand. Or this one, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Or this one, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Or this one, my word shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. What about the promise that he gave to that faithful church at Philadelphia that had so little strength? Behold, I am coming quickly. You know, the position of these people at the end of this chapter 4 of Nehemiah hasn't changed greatly from the outward appearance. The work was still there to do. The rubbish was still there to be cleared. The opposition was still there and still plotting. The requirement to have a watch and be prepared to fight was still there. But what's missing from the end of Nehemiah chapter 4? 
is the cry of the labourers that their strength is failing and they are unable to build. In fact, in verse 21, we're told, So we laboured in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. How do people whose strength is failing, who can no longer cope with the opposition that is building against them, who see the work that is before them growing ever greater and ever harder, find themselves labouring on from daybreak until the stars appeared. Humanly, that is not possible. Humanly, this work will have ceased and the people would have left, dejected. But you see, these people were working in their own strength. This evening, if you feel as though your strength is failing, if you feel as though the opposition is too powerful, as though the work is too hard and too great, then look again at the God who sustains these people. Look at the grace that he gives. And do not fear. Before you are overwhelmed, you will see him act. And before your strength is exhausted, he will supply your need. That is the testimony of Scripture. And it's the promise of your Saviour. You might this evening ask the question, why? Why does Christ allow his people to come to the point where they feel as though their strength is failing? Why does he allow his people to come to the point where they are so weak and so fearful? Well, the answer is quite simple. He must have the glory. His people must understand that it is in his strength and not their own that they are preserved. They need to understand that it is he who has brought the plots of their enemies to nothing. That it is he who will receive the honour and the praise and the glory when the work is complete. There is no room for pride in the church and the body of Christ. Christ deliberately puts before his people a work that they cannot do on their own. They are faced with an opposition that they cannot defeat on their own. And they need to learn the lesson. We need to understand as believers and as churches that pride was what first brought sin into the very courts of heaven. Pride is what brought sin into this world and brought humanity to its knees. 
We need to understand that Christ will not have it in his church. We noted a few moments ago that encouragement that Paul the Apostle received as he was reminded of the great grace of Christ being sufficient. Christ will bring each of his people and each of his churches to the same place. And the testimony of those who are brought to that place and who understand and witness the grace of Christ at work in them are those who will declare as Paul did, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the lesson that these people in Jerusalem, in Nehemiah chapter 4, teach us. That when we are weak, then we are strong. When we are weak, then all our care and all our hope and all our confidence is cast upon the Lord. When we are weak and failing, then we commit our way to the Lord. Then we put our trust in Him. Then we wait upon Him. Because we have nowhere else to go and no one else to turn to. Here is victory. But it's not found in human endeavour and in human wisdom and in human resources. It's victory found in the power and the grace of Christ that rests upon his people and upon his church. May it be that each of us here know and experience the truth of this in our Christian walk. May it be that Christ is indeed glorified in our labours, not because we have achieved anything for him, but because he has worked in us. <coughs> Judah said the strength of the labourers is failing. These were a chosen people, going about the work they had been called to do, and doing so in prayer. And yet they are brought to the place of weakness and fearfulness. But gloriously they never failed. They never fell. They were never overwhelmed. They were a preserved people. Preserved by the grace and the glory of Christ. Amen.